We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Back seat. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, Juneteenth, 2023. It's one of the 11 and a quarter federal holidays today. So on your day off, if you're live with us, good morning and thank you. If you're listening to us at a different time, thanks for taking the 45 minutes. But of course we're working because that's what we do. Back seat's gonna be the theme because we have three stories that all involve back seats. Who would have thunk it going into the weekend when you're putting the show together, spending Father's Day, happy Father's Day if you're a father, if you're not a father, if you had a father, if your father is not alive, then it's past and we're on to the next day. You got to actually back up Father's Day with Juneteenth. You got a holiday, unless you're Coca. All right, the first back seat, three of them, get ready to count. First one, John Morant. We have spent so much time talking about John Morant player for the Memphis Grizzlies. He of the I love playing with guns and going to strip clubs, surrounding myself with cash, getting myself suspended, getting healthy in eight days, not getting healthy, getting caught again. I thought for sure he would be suspended for 41 games. Did a wait to see that he'll be suspended, I believe, for 41 games. Didn't happen. The NBA announced on Friday, could someone please tell Adam Silver there's no more Friday news dump? It's the internet age. It's the Twitter age. It doesn't matter what day you do it. You don't need to do it Friday. So the NBA gets the announcement out. We've got dueling announcements. The way it works is this is how it should have worked, and we're going to find out why it didn't. The NBA, when they're going to do something like suspend a player, same thing with baseball, same thing with football, there are certain parameters within the collective bargaining agreement where it sets out what the suspension will be and you don't need to deal with the union. You don't need to think about it. As an example, sticky substances. You get caught with a sticky substance. It's already negotiated 10 games. That's the end. And there's no nothing. It's the umpires. They say it. You're out. It happened to Scherzer. Happened to Drew Smith. Happened to Domingo Herman. That's the end. Steroids. That's it. First offense, 80 then 162, then lifetime, you can reapply in a year, whenever the case is. There are certain things like domestic violence where there is no set suspension. It could be anywhere from five games to 20 games to 200 games, totally depends under the, you know, the Trevor Bauer situation, the Marcelo Zuna situation. So the John Morant situation where there's gunplay and when there's conduct unbecoming a player, it is not set what the suspension should be. Therefore, what the league is supposed to do and what they should do is they decide amongst themselves what suspension they wanna levy and hand down upon the player, then go to the players association, 
talk it through with them, explain why you came to that conclusion, and get buy-in from the Players Association. Then tell the player, tell the team, suspend the player, and have it be done. When you've got a player adding negative attention to your league, you want to stop that player from having the news cycle. But for whatever reason, Adam Silver chose not to do it that way. He suspended John Moran for 25 games and did not get buy-in by the NBA P, the NBA Players Association. So let's start with what Adam Silver said. So you come up with the 25 games, you either do or do not speak to the Players Association, which in this case he didn't. Then you tell your PR people what you're gonna do. Then you start with what your statement's gonna be. Then you let the player know. Then you let the player figure out what his statement's gonna be. The team gets told what's happening. Then they get to come up with a statement. And what's supposed to happen is that you've got statement cohesion. You don't want a situation, which is what happens, which helps this show tremendously, because it's so much fun, when you've got the dueling statements. But when you've got a case like John Morant and you're trying to make the league better, you're trying to help the reputation, you're trying to show that we're gonna be not just tough on guns, but tough on character. So Adam Silver comes out and they announced the 25 games and they explained why. They explained what the league office found, that he was intentionally displaying a gun while in a car. That happened in May. But then, here's the quote. John Moran's decision, this is from Adam Silver, to once again wield a firearm on social media is alarming and disconcerting given his similar conduct in March for which he was already suspended eight games. So there's no concept of double jeopardy when it comes to suspensions in sports. It's not like the regular legal system where if you do a crime, then you do the time, that's it. You cannot be convicted of the same crime twice. Now, if you do the same crime two different times, then of course you can have two different punishments. It's not like once you murder someone and you serve 10 to 25 years for manslaughter, let's say, then you can go ahead and do as much as you want. So we hear that what the NBA is saying is eight games wasn't enough. You didn't change your behavior. We're going 25. And then he said the potential for other young people to emulate Jaws conduct is particularly concerning. That upset me and saddened me that there would be kids who would look at what John Morant is doing and say, listen, I wonder whether or not I can be good at basketball sign a contract for a couple hundo million dollars, and then whatever, get suspended, lose 40 or 50 million in salary. What's the difference? I'm still gonna be rich beyond my wildest dreams. Who does it matter who my friends are? What does it matter if I have a gun? What does it matter if I go to strip clubs with a gun and get photographed? I'm rich. That's what we want. We wanna be rich. So do you think that there are people, kids, who are looking at John Morant and saying, I don't need to practice basketball, but if I wield a firearm, then I'm gonna be John Morant. Aren't the people wielding the firearms the people who can't emulate John Morant because they're not good enough at basketball, so therefore they feel as though they have nowhere to go but crime and guns? Isn't that sort of a bigger overarching problem that we have when people think that there is, they have no chance out 
no chance to support a family, to support themselves. Isn't that why people choose to do or deal drugs or do or steal things? But Adam Silver said the potential for other young people to emulate Jaws conduct is concerning. Under these circumstances, we believe a suspension of 25 games is appropriate. All right. But then he said for Jaw, basketball needs to take a back seat at this time. What does that mean? I don't want you practicing. Get out of the gym. I don't want you practicing free throws. Don't practice your mid-range jump shot. I'm telling you that basketball, basketball needs to take a back seat. It's a good expression. When someone takes a back seat, it means that you've got more important pressing matters to do. Like you're gonna wake up in the morning and John Morant's gonna focus totally on his mental health and who his friends are, and he is not gonna practice at all because I'm sure that's what Jokic is doing. He's back out there on the court right now practicing. Basketball's taking a back seat for every single max player in the NBA right now, every one of them. And then Adam Silver did something that is not going to withstand any part of a potential grievance. Prior to his return to play, John Morant has to formulate and fulfill a program with the league to address the circumstances that led him to repeat this behavior. What in the hell does that mean? John Morant's gonna sit down. He's gonna take out a pen, a pad, a piece of paper. Don't bother me right now. I'm formulating a plan. Number one, hold on, let me think. What, what, what would be the plan that I would formulate? One, no strip clubs. All right, that's number one, no strip clubs. Good plan. All right, number two of my formulated plan. Let me see if I get this right. No guns. All right, that's a good one. Are we happy with the number two formulated plan? Hold on, I got a number three. Number three, this is my formulated plan. Different friends. All right, good one. Good one. I've got no strip clubs, no guns, different friends. Hold on, four, four. Oh, okay, I'm formulating a plan. Therapy, three times a week. My plan is four deep, this is amazing. Hey, commissioner, do you like the plan that I'm formulating? Because so far, I think that I've got this. If I do all this, do you think after 25 games, you're gonna let me back in? Um, ja, you're gonna need a fifth part of your plan. Okay, ready? Fifth plan. Here it is, I'm writing it down. I'm gonna show it to all of you watching. And for those of you listening, I'll tell you what it is. Number five, pinky swear. I pinky swear I'll never do it again. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Let's pretend he formulates a plan and let's pretend he fulfills a program that the league is gonna have him do. Then he suspended 25 games, he comes back. John Morant released a statement and I couldn't be less interested in it. I simply couldn't be. Don't say the expression I could care less because people say that sometimes. Hey, I could care less. Hey, what are you gonna do tonight? I could care less. Well, that means you obviously care about what we're doing. It's I couldn't care less. So I couldn't care less about John Moran's statement. I'm merely gonna give it one minute of one line. To all my sponsors, I'm going to be a better representation of our brands. Ja, those aren't your brands anymore, my friend. But I appreciate that you put that in the statement. At least you put the kids first. 
to the kids who look up to me, I'm sorry. But the good news is that John Morant is spending the entire offseason and the suspension working on his own mental health and decision-making. Don't get me wrong. You know where I am on mental health. It's an issue. It's, there's a lot of anxiety out there. There's a lot of people with issues. They're as important as a torn meniscus. But I believe John Morant has proven to you and to me that his interest in working on his mental health is de minimis. Hold on, I don't see that. Let me look at his formulated plan again. No strip clubs, no guns, different friends, therapy three times a week, and pinky swear I won't do it again. Hmm. I didn't see anything in the plan there, Ja, about mental health. He went through eight days before. I assume that if he goes through 25 days, maybe 24 days, that it's gonna be fine. So Ja's gone 25 games. Baseball's taken a back seat for John Morant, but the Players Association is pissed. Now they don't wanna support John Morant. Let's be clear. He is the last person who should be the poster child for union support, which is what makes him the first person who's the poster child for union support. You wanna show other members of your union that we are union strong. And no matter what kind of A-Rod you are, we are going to protect you. We are going to fight for you to the end. And we did not agree with what Adam Silver did. As a matter of fact, we believe the discipline is excessive and inappropriate for a number of reasons. We're not gonna tell you all of them in case of grievance, which we may file, but a number of reasons, including the facts of the incident, and it's not fair. That really doesn't play well during a grievance. Mom, it's not fair. He got more ice cream than I did. So now we're in a position where this has to be still part of the news cycle because the Players Association is going to have to do something about this. So they're alerting the league that they think the punishment is unfair. The league is going to have to say, we don't care, Pierre. And then the Players Association is gonna have to decide, are they gonna grieve this? They don't want to grieve this, but they're gonna be forced to. That's the worst part. It's like the union wanting to grieve the Bauer suspension. P.U. They don't want to do it. So John Morant has so far cost himself about $46 million in potential earnings by being an absolute jackass. I wonder if it's enough or if we just know that he's so full of money that it doesn't matter. Don't you picture John Morant as the guy who's going to blow through his money and go full pudge, like just go bankrupt and then have to start over? Oh, we'll see what happens with him. So that's the first backseat. Ready for the next backseat? And I'm not making light of this. I spent an entire semester of law school trying to convince my law school friends. And I went to a, I went to law school in New York, Yeshiva University. It's called the Cardoza School of Law. They have great clinical programs. I got to be an appellate attorney for a semester and actually do a real appeal in real court. Of course, my guy's still in prison, but he did it, but still tried to get him out. I tried to convince my law school friends and professors that I believed that drunk driving should have the same penalties as murder. That if you kill somebody driving drunk, that that should be a murder charge, not manslaughter. 
And if you are caught driving drunk, it should be an immediate end of your license and you get at most three strikes without killing someone. If you're gonna do, I was growing up during the three strikes rule, that was Clinton, I believe, who did it. Three strikes and you're out of like having a joint. Imagine how far we've come in 40 years, but three strikes, life in prison, see you later. Great documentaries about this, great stories and movies about this. But anyway, that was always my view, especially, and this was pre-Uber. Bob Huggins, is no longer the coach of West Virginia, not because he said a homophobic phrase, but because he got pulled over in Pittsburgh, ostensibly on his way to a Taylor Swift concert, but who knows, whatever he was doing, pulled over for DUI, and the guy blew a point two. I could never blow a point two, A, because I don't drink in that excess, but B, I don't even know, I think I'd be dead by then. He gets pulled over, and in the back seat are many, many beer cans. That's our second back seat. But I wanted to talk about with Bob Huggins, I just wanted to get you there with what the word of the day was. Can you imagine how stupid do you have to be to drive drunk? And then even more stupid to keep the beer cans in your car? Everybody else litters. I mean, you can find a garbage can and you could be a mensch, but just throw them out, leave them in the parking lot. Or if you're drinking while driving, which you shouldn't obviously be doing, throw them out the window. What kind of idiot puts them in the back seat. Like, what, do you finish it and then throw it in the back seat like you're cool? Can't even imagine. He didn't even know he was in Pittsburgh. We didn't, we didn't see the body cam footage yet. The body cam footage. I wonder whether or not. I'm Bob Huggins and I'm trying to get home. I'm only a block from home. I'm almost there. Sir, you're in Pittsburgh. What? How the hell did I get to Pittsburgh? I'm not making light of this. And the reason I'm not making light of this is that uh, I was angry. And the reason I was angry is that I don't believe, you know where I stand on drunk driving, especially with Uber or walking or whatever you can do or phone a friend, you know, who wants to be a millionaire style, do something. But what really bothered me about the whole Huggins situation is that West Virginia, exactly as Coca, so Coca nailed this during the, uh, the pre-show call yesterday. He said, just so you know, before Huggins resigned, uh, he said, David, this is it. Huggins is done. And I was slightly concerned about that because after the homophobic slur, Coca said, David, you're totally wrong. You better say, if you wanna do a wait to see that nothing's gonna happen. I mean, maybe you'll take a cut in salary. Coca had this nailed. As a mountaineer himself, I guess he had it nailed. But to me, what we are now saying to people is that you wanna be racist or homophobic or misogynist. You know, we're not gonna be happy. You may be canceled, but it depends on who you are, how good you are. It depends on whether or not you are famous or whether or not you are an institution where you are. But if you drink and drive, that's it. Now, is it just that that was on top of it? So if he had gotten a DUI and blew a point two with 79 beer cans in the back of it, in the back seat, would he have gotten the slap on the wrist and gotten what he got for the homophobic slur, which was a diminished salary, a one year salary, and he took a pay cut and he's gonna go year by year. So this is now one plus one equals three because Huggins, who submitted his letter of resignation right after his arrest, is absolutely ridiculous.
There's no way that he submitted his intent to retire before West Virginia called him and said, dude, are you kidding me? You've left us no choice. We've got to fire you. We don't want to fire you. Don't let us fire you. We don't want to say that we fired you. We don't want to tell the boosters we fired you. Can you please, pretty please, with beer on top, resign? Just retire. Spend time with your family. And any statement you do, put that at the end. People love that, that you're going to focus on yourself and your family for the coming months. Like you're going to drive your kids to school or something, or you speak to your grandkids every day on the phone. But really, tell us you're going to focus on your family. And of course, at the end of Huggins' statement, he said, I can't find it. <laughs> oh, there it is. Thank you to everyone who has supported our program over the years. It's meant more to me and my family than you could ever know. I really don't care to know that. But I plan to spend the next few months focused on my health and my family so that I can be the person they deserve. How come the only time people focus on their health and their family is when they get sick or get arrested or get fired. If you focused on your health and your family always, then maybe you wouldn't blow a point too. The only time people care to focus on their health and their families is when they get caught. You think if Huggins had made it where he was going and he was hammered and he walks in the house, you think he walked into the house, he said, man, I'm gonna focus on my family and health. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm going to bed right now. When I wake up, I'm gonna work out. I'm gonna be the picture of health and I'm gonna be there for you, honey. Give me a break. The minute the sirens come on and the cuffs come out or the minute someone outs you with whatever you've been doing, that's when you do it. That's when the focus comes. Guess what? If everybody focused currently prior to getting caught on not doing the things that if you do and you do get caught are gonna put you in a position where you have to say you're focusing on your family and your health, we'd all be a whole of a lot healthier. Bob Huggins, see you later. Coca, do you think he's gonna get another job? I think he's done, absolutely done. I wonder like what, what they do with all the beer cans in the backseat. Does he, when he goes into the police car, does someone, when they take his car, do they clean it out or do they take photos? I wanna see the photos. Like when you throw it, I would never do that. Hey, I, there's no eating or drinking allowed in my car ever. Pristine. But do you, when you drink a can of something, there's always a little bit left on the bottom, isn't there? Where if you throw it in the back seat, aren't you getting like sticky stuff? Like bad kind of sticky stuff in the back seat? All right, let's talk about other back seats. We got one more. Never seen this. This would have been the lead for me, but John Morant and Bob Huggins were more important, and they really are, but this is unreal. If you're hearing this for the first time, hold on to your knickers. Sit down right now. Grab your pantalones. You're not going to believe this story. When you have games, road games in Chicago and in Milwaukee, or in San Francisco and then Oakland, or in LA and then San Diego, San Francisco, Oakland is the terrible example because when you're playing San Francisco, Oakland, you still stay in San Francisco. So do Chicago, Milwaukee, and LA, San Diego. Sometimes even Philly, New York, actually. Guess what? After the game, you get on the team bus. We put a cooler of drinks on the player bus and on the executive bus. We get on the bus from the stadium and we drive to the hotel in the next city. 
the Pittsburgh Pirates finished a series at Wrigley Field. They got on the team bus and they were driving to the Fister Hotel. I assume they stay at the Fister. That's where teams stay in Milwaukee, downtown Milwaukee. It's Highway 94 that goes north-south until right past General Mitchell Field, in which case it goes west toward Madison. So it's bizarre, actually. 94 goes north, it goes west, it goes east. Drives me crazy. It's like the uh, when I first moved to Miami, for Miami people to love this, the 826 is a nightmare. There's 826 north, 826 south, 826 east, 826 west. I have no idea where I am. I will never forget, side note, Coca, I was hanging out with the uh, with like Larry Beinfest. We didn't know anybody when we first came to Miami, so we had no outside friends. And there were a bunch of us from Montreal. And my wife was trying to find like a doctor's appointment or something for the kids, called me up and said, I am completely lost. I'm at 826. I have no idea where I'm going. And this is before Waze or anything else. And I said, how the hell do I know? Like, what direction are you going? And she said, it goes north, south, east, and west. I said, that's impossible. So the team bus is on 94. And all of a sudden, sirens come up. And the team bus got pulled over. And the bus driver got arrested on the spot for drunk driving. Never seen that in my life. Not one time. Let me tell you what bus drivers do and how it works. There are bus drivers, they're part of companies. What you do is the traveling secretary for a team, they contract with bus companies in different cities. Some bus companies will send their buses all over the place to different cities in the North and in the South. So the bus driver could come from Florida and go all the way upstairs. And so what happens is the bus driver comes to the team hotel, drives the bus to the stadium, and then stays there through the entire game. They sit in, they don't stay in the driver's seat. They sit in a seat and they relax, they fall asleep. So these bus drivers are in the back seat. That's the third back seat of the day. They're not drinking. I have not seen a team bus driver drink ever. And we would know you get on the team bus and you're talking to your bus driver. You're watching your bus driver. It's not like it would be out of this world to say to the bus driver, hey, are you okay to drive? And when it's tired or when the game's gone into extra innings or when it, there's gonna be traffic or when we're taking a drive from Chicago to Milwaukee, hey, are you good to drive? How do you feel? We're looking to make sure the driver's okay. The Pirates had a police escort and the driver could not follow the escort. The driver was driving erratically, which means the people on the bus had to know that. Coke and I had a disagreement before the show. Believe me, here's how seating goes on team buses. Front left seat, traveling secretary. Front right seat, manager. Second seat on the left behind the driver, GM. Second seat behind the manager, team president. Behind the team president, bench coach, behind the GM, assistant GM. It's the same thing on every team bus. There is a assigned seat that you get on the team bus. On the executive bus with the manager are players who have a wife or a plus one with them because there are no girlfriends or wives allowed on the second bus, which is just a player bus. The first bus has the broadcasters, the trainers, the players who have plus ones, 
and the front office. Second bus, just players. Yes, we put drinks on both buses when we are taking long bus rides. Not home, but only when we're going to the road where no one's driving. We would know if a driver is hammered, period. It is impossible for me to believe that the manager of the Pirates or the GM or some player, if it were the player team bus, didn't realize that the driver was driving erratically, in which case you'd go to the driver and say, dude, what's up here? Are you good? Or if you get on the bus and there's a bunch of empty beer cans in the back seat, that may be a clue. That bus driver is finished, terminated. He got handcuffed on the side of 94, pulled over by one of the police cars escorting the damn team. It's scary. I'm not making light of it. It's an absolute nightmare. But it is critical to know that I am surprised that nobody noticed prior to him being pulled over that it had to be one of the escort cop cars. I'm surprised nobody noticed. We haven't heard anything from the Pirates. We haven't heard anything from MLB. The only thing we've heard is that we're following the story and we're gonna speak to the necessary people of the bus company, that we contracted the bus company. But I wanna know something more important, which is what were you looking at? Don't let your view of team bus drivers be sullied by this. This is a unicorn. I don't think we'll ever see that again. So that's the backseat story. When we come back, I'm gonna review a movie and I'm gonna reach out to Lindsay Berra if you're listening to this. I wanna talk about the movie that you made for your grandfather. It's called It Ain't Over. And then we're gonna talk about an early NBA trade that is already making a fan base in Miami annoyed, and that's annoying me. We'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you. Everybody else is on vacation, but we've got a new show right now live every day, 8 to 8.45 on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Please hit subscribe for all of you who are watching. Thank you. Get people to watch with you, no matter where they live. They can get up early. Or you can listen to the show. Tell your friends about the podcast. We appreciate that too. Watch a movie every day. I watched the documentary available for streaming, paid $19.99. It's called It Ain't Over. It Ain't Over is the story of Yogi Berra. And I am doing a straight mea culpa. Thank you to everyone who made that documentary. Derek Jeter was in the documentary. He filmed it for Marlins Park. Yes, I noticed that. Joe Torre, lot of old Yankee players. His granddaughter, his sons. He had a son who played Major League Baseball, Dale Berra good player, got involved with drugs and ended up hurting his career. My view of Yogi Berra, him hugging Don Larson in the 56 World Series perfect game, one perfect game in the World Series, that's it. Him jumping into Don Larson's arms, him doing commercials and him saying it ain't over till it's over. When you see a fork in the road, take it. 
It was the yogiisms. This documentary is for you and for me. I completely either forgot or never knew that Yogi Berra is one of the best players to ever play baseball. They're right. The point of the documentary is that it always got overshadowed what his backstory was, what he was like as a player on the Yankees during those dominant times when he won 10 World Series. I didn't realize that he was the cog in that entire Yankee machine, DiMaggio, Mantle. I didn't realize what he did on the field. My recollection was of his fight with George Steinbrenner. And the documentary goes through the fight with George Steinbrenner. It goes through the reconciliation. It goes through what he did, his family life, what he did pre-baseball, post-baseball. It is a complete picture of Yogi Berra. That is a story that needed to be told. This guy was an all-star 18 times. This guy won the MVP three times. Did you know he earned a Purple Heart? World War II, did you know that he fought, that he was on the beach at D-Day in Normandy? And I'm not spoiling it for you, because when you watch the documentary, you will simply not believe it. And seeing Don Mattingly interviewed what made me happy. Understanding there was something regarding the Montreal Expos and a perfect game by David Cohn. You will not believe it. Make sure you watch it. That would happen in the year before I started with the Expos. And I was looking at all of the players that we had in our first year with the Expos in 2000. I'd forgotten about what happened in July of 99. And this documentary reminded me and made me smile. $20. It's the best $20 you will spend. Whether you are a baseball fan or not, whether you think you know about Yogi Berra, you don't. It Ain't Over is aptly named. And I want to personally apologize to Yogi's children, to Yogi's grandchildren, because I was part of the problem. I was the one who thought it was about the Yogiisms, that he was some sort of silly guy who they made Yogi Bear out of, the, the cartoon character. I knew his number was retired, but I thought that's just he was a famous Yankee. I did not learn or care to learn the history, and that's on me. So I'm thankful I got to watch the documentary, and I encourage all of you to watch it. It ain't over. Bradley Beal is going to the Phoenix Suns, and Matt Ishbia has new owner-itis, and it's not going away anytime soon. If you are a fan of the Phoenix Suns and you want to help your team, you ought to be sending your new owner, Ishbia, some calamine lotion because he's got some sores that he's itching. He's got some sores that he's scratching. If you could edit that out. You scratch an itch, you don't itch a scratch. You scratch an itch. <laughs> Even if you can't see it. People scratch itches. Bradley Beal, last week it came out that he doesn't want to be the part of a rebuild. When he signed the four-year $250 million deal or whatever he signed, he's making 50 million bucks a year. Not exactly sure what his contract was, but some ridiculous five years, 251 or something. $50 million a year. I think he was pretty much aware that the Wizards were not exactly championship material. Aware that the Wizards did not have a team that could actually be competitive in the Eastern Conference. And that it wasn't going to happen during the course of his five years. 
He's got an owner, owner who's very focused on his other businesses. He's got an owner focused on buying a network, maybe buying the Nationals. But Beal got $251 million, woke up and said, oh God, there's a new coach and a new GM and I think they're gonna rebuild. I don't wanna be a part of that. So Beal comes out and says, it would be super sweet if you'd trade me, but I've got a no trade clause. Therefore, I'm gonna get my agent involved. I would like my agent to negotiate my trade. And it would just be amazing if you wouldn't mind accepting the trade that my agent comes up with. That would be terrific. Bradley Beal's agent is related to the CEO of the Suns. His agent is the CEO's father. But that's not a big deal. I've dealt with father and son. I'm in not just because it's my favorite Cat Stevens song, not just because it's the song at the end of Ted Lasso, not just because I'm an absolute beneficiary of that type of father-son nepotism relationship, not because of any of that. The reason why I'm okay with the father as the agent, the son as the CEO, you still need two people to make a trade. The Wizards had to acquiesce and agree to this Phoenix Suns trade. There was a time where this was happening over the last four or five days where the thought was that Beal was going to go to either the Suns or the Heat and that he would accept a trade to both. And there was a lot of talk down in Miami. This would be great. You bring in Beal, you put him with Butler. You don't want to trade Bam. Don't trade Hero because he's coming back. We don't need another Hero, but you can get rid of Duncan Robinson. We'll take care of Oladapo, no problem. We'll give him a bunch of picks. This will be great. Totally unrealistic because what the Wizards said to Beal and his agent, listen, we really are going to redo this team. And if you wouldn't mind, we're going to do a bit of a money dump here. So whatever trade you're coming up with, just make sure we're saving money. And we want to save money over the course of years. Well, let me tell you, here's what we got, Ted. We can trade right now. We can get to the Phoenix Suns for Chris Paul. A bunch of second round picks, some swaps. It's a bunch of crap on crap. And we'll take Landry too. No way the Wizards will do that trade. There's no way. It makes zero sense to trade Bradley Beal for that level of crap from the Phoenix Suns. And then I realized, wait a minute. It's a total money dump. They signed Beal to this max contract and realized why would we pay $50 million for five years to a player when our window, our chance of winning during that five years at zero. It'd be like signing a free agent pitcher for five years and $55 million knowing that you're not gonna be good for any of those five years, Chicago Cubs. You have no chance, Edwin Jackson, to possibly make it work. So the Wizards said, let's see if we can find an idiot. And boy, did they ever. The Phoenix Suns have Devin Booker signed for a gazillion dollars for five more years. They've got Aiton, Durant, and Beal. This is the second big trade Ishby has made since he took over the Suns. Remember that Durant crazy trade? This Beal trade was not as crazy in terms of assets. It's crazy in terms of him having $723 million committed to four players. Between the four of them, forget injuries, I'm just wondering whether or not they're gonna play defense. Nah, don't worry, we can score 152 points. We'll go full Paul Westhead 
That's the way to do it. This is amazing. If you're in the Western Conference, you're thinking to yourself, the Phoenix Suns are a joke. They're just bringing in the big name players, regardless of age or injury status. The number of games that those four players will play together. I've got actually two wait to sees here, Coca, about the Bradley Beal Phoenix situation. Can I give them to you, please? Here we go. These are two official wait to sees. Number one, Beal, Booker, Ayton, and Durant. The four of them will not be active for more than half the season. 41 games you're going to get at most with those four people on the court. Between load management and injuries, 41 games. That's the first wait to see. Book it, Coca. The second wait to see. The Phoenix Suns buying a championship, collecting free agents and big name players and big salary players. Are you not paying attention to what the Nuggets just did where Jokic and Murray grew together? Guess what? The Phoenix Suns will not even be in the Western Conference Finals. You can book that right now. The Phoenix Suns will not make the Western Conference Finals. For all the people in Miami, you just made it to the NBA Finals as an eight seed. You just had a great run in South Florida. Yesterday, June 18th, Father's Day, the day that the trade was announced, was the day that Game 7 would have taken place of this year's NBA Finals. This would have been Game 7 yesterday. That would have been our talk today. Who won the NBA championship? And people in Miami are already upset about what the Heat are doing during the offseason. Come on. Can't you just enjoy it for a hot second? Nothing. Personal pick of the day. We are hot. H-O-Triple-T. It's amazing. Sometimes we're hot. Sometimes we're cold. Don't fade us right now. We had the Blue Jays on Friday beating the Rangers. They did. We had the Brewers beating the Pirates. They did on Saturday. We are 96 and 93. I want to talk about two games going on today that interest me. A couple things that happened over the weekend. There are some hot teams and some cold teams. I did a Twitter poll. I think it's over now at David P. Sampson on Twitter. Are you surprised the Mets are eight and a half or seven and a half games behind the Marlins? The Miami Marlins are 10 games over 500 for the first time since 2010. I remember being 10 games over in 2010. I remember our team. I remember our lineup. I remember thinking that this is year two. We had a great year in 09 under Freddie. We have a chance under Freddie to finally get back to the playoffs after seven years. And we absolutely crapped the bed. There were not expanded playoffs at the time. The Marlins are 10 games over with Arias, who is hitting close to 400. Their starting pitching is very, very tough, but they're getting good offense too. The Marlins are good. The Mets are not. It is unreal what's happening with the Padres, how far behind the Diamondbacks they are. The Dodgers are behind the Giants now. There's some crazy stuff going on in baseball. One thing that we know for sure is that the AL Central stinks and that the worst team in the AL East, the Red Sox, would be better than the best team in the AL Central, but none of it matters. If you win the Central, you're gonna make the playoffs. The Minnesota Twins are going to win the Central. 
They've got the former Marlin pitcher pitching today. The Twins are 36 and 36. The Red Sox are 36 and 35, but the Twins have a two and a half game lead in the division. It's total craziness, especially with the balanced schedule. It's not like that all the crap teams are playing all the crap teams. Pablo Lopez was the trade from the Marlins to the Twins. Pablo Lopez is pitching tonight against the Red Sox. The Red Sox are coming off a series against the Yankees. We did a segment, what day was that, Coca? We did a Yankee segment at some point in the last week or two, talking about what the Yankees need to do and how much trouble the Yankees are in. And the Yankees showed it against the Red Sox. They lost that series. They are just not a good team. I'm sorry. The Yankees and Mets are both not good enough. That said, the Red Sox, there is a real thing that happens when there's a letdown. When you go from playing the Yankees to the Twins, we would say to the players and want to meet with them and say, listen, it's one game. Makes no difference whether we're playing the Yankees or the Twins. But there is something about playing the Yankees and then going to play the Twins. There is something about adrenaline. There's something about letdown. The Red Sox need to keep their pedal to the metal. They are 12 and a half games back in the AL East. They're only two games over. They're not even in a playoff position right now. But we're taking the Twins over the Red Sox. The Twins and Pablo Lopez over the Boston Red Sox. You're going to see a letdown. I end the show today reminding you of something important. There is only one thing that should be going on in the backseat, and it's not drinking. Have a good day today. It's just business. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.